Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. I would love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Everyone good? What a great time of worship, hey? I had a few tears at the altar, so I'm just hoping I'm not speaking to you with Alice Cooper eyes this morning. But, um, yeah, you have to be a little bit older to get that. Yeah, I just realised. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you now because you are our King. You are our Lord. You are our Saviour. And, Lord, as I bring this message, let me be a willing... uh, I am a willing vessel. Just use me as your vessel, Lord Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Um, I've entitled this morning's message, Where Did You Put Your Treasure? Um, As you know, we are in a a series this month, as we're leading up to the miracle offering that Jim was speaking about, we're in a series on giving. We're talking about giving. Uh, Last week, Pastor Jim spoke to us about attitudes uh, to giving. What is the attitude with which we give? Um, Giving is at the heart of Christianity. Giving is at the heart of Christianity. Probably the most famous verse that you will ever hear that everyone seems to have heard, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave. Giving is at the heart of Christianity. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. But what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus? What does it mean as followers of Jesus? And does that include our money? Now, I've heard said that Jesus talked about money more than anything else. Now, I'm not sure that's strictly true. I don't really think that is strictly true that Jesus talked about money more than anything else. Jesus did talk about money, but he talked a lot about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And when he talked about those things, he interspersed a lot of stuff about money. So Jesus did talk about money, but what he was talking about was the kingdom of God. So when he was talking about money, he was talking about how money is used in the kingdom of God. How it's used in the kingdom of God. Why did Jesus talk so much about the kingdom of God? Because he was instituting a new kingdom for us to live in. So on his time on earth, his teaching was how we live in that kingdom. He was instituting a new kingdom. That kingdom is in opposition to most of the ways and the manners of the world. And so he was saying in this new kingdom, it is not the way the world is. It is not the way the old kingdom um, is. And as Alyssa said, thank you for the new covenant. It is not the same as an old covenant. There is a new kingdom with a new covenant. And this new kingdom works like this. This is what Jesus was doing when he was talking about the kingdom. Now, preachers, we can be very hesitant about talking about money because there's so many people out there who say the church just wants your money. The church is just after your money. So often preachers feel hesitant to talk about money. There's even people inside a church that say, oh, I think the church just wants money. Maybe the church just wants money. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and thinking, oh, no, why did I invite a friend today? Because they're going to talk about money. And so preachers can get a bit hesitant about that. But here's the thing. 
As followers of Jesus, we need to understand how we are to view money as part of Jesus' kingdom. We need to understand how we should look at money, how we should think about money, how we should use our money because we are part of Jesus' kingdom. If we remember Romans chapter 12, right near the start, it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world. See, the world has patterns, but the kingdom has principles. And Jesus is saying, don't get caught up in the way the world is doing things. Paul in Romans is saying, don't be so conformed to everything that the world is always doing. There are principles in the kingdom of God that are different than the patterns of the world. And we need to understand what that means about our money. So Jesus did talk about money quite a lot. And um, I want to be like Jesus. So this morning I'm going to talk about money. I feel like I'm just going to be like Jesus and talk about money. So please come with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. The passage we're going to look at this morning sits smack dab in the middle of what is known as, generally known as, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are where Jesus brings teaching. And what is he bringing teaching on? The kingdom. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. They are interchangeable terms. They mean the same thing. Um, the kingdom of God has been instituted by heaven. So when, when Jesus said the kingdom of God or he said the kingdom of heaven, they mean the same thing. What it means is the rule and reign of Christ. So if we are living in the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Christ is on our lives. We are living under the rule and reign of Christ. It's a kingdom, a kingdom has a king, and our king is Jesus, and we are living under his rule and reign. And the kingdom of heaven means the kingdom has been instituted by heaven, because for God so loved the world that he sent his son. So God instituted a new kingdom from heaven, sending Jesus. Jesus went to the cross and he rose again and established the new kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it is the rule and reign of Christ in us. So from the very start of chapter 5 in Matthew, Jesus begins to talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And right to the last verse of chapter 7, which is like, it's just put, we put it into chapters, but it's one long monologue basically it's Jesus maybe it's like he's preaching a sermon and it, it starts with the kingdom of God and it chapter 7 ends with speaking about building your house on solid foundation rather than building your house on sand so the idea is in the new kingdom we have a solid foundation and his name is Jesus and his name is Jesus so how do we live in this kingdom so we're going to have a look at a few verses in chapter 6, right smack dab in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And these talk about money. Is there any doubt that Jesus is talking about money here and possessions and material wealth and the way we view it? No, there's no doubt. Jesus is talking about our attitude to material possessions, money, wealth, whatever we want to call it. So there's no doubt about that. And I wanted to use this passage because... Not only have I said to you, Jesus talked about money, but this is Jesus talking about money. This isn't one of the apostles. This isn't one of the prophets. This isn't some other writer. This is what Jesus himself said about what our attitude to money should be. So let's go. Matthew chapter 6. Why do we give? Why do we give? Matthew 6, I'm going to start reading at verse 19. 
It says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store, but, but, in other words, do the opposite to what I've just said, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So number one, why do we give? We give so that we don't exchange true reward for the perishable things of this earth. So we don't exchange our true reward for the perishable things of this earth. Jesus draws our attention. He says, um, he says store yourselves up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He draws our attention to the eternal. As Christians and followers of Jesus, our main attention should always be the eternal, not the temporal. Our focus should always be, how does this affect my eternity? How does this affect someone else's eternity? What does God want from me that is eternal in this situation? Our focus should always be towards the eternal. And Jesus calls that true reward. And he brings out how everything on this earth that we can sometimes hold so dear, material possessions, finances, wealth, status, we can hold those things so dear. We can work so hard and fight so hard to try to have all these things. And he says, you know what? We're living in a broken world where that can all be gone. If you've seen the news this week from Hawaii, from Maui, we live in a broken world where buildings that are 300 years old can disappear in a moment. And Jesus is saying, stop putting all your focus and stop making what you value most that which is only temporal, that which is only temporary. He speaks of the thief. Now, when else has he spoken of the thief? If you remember in John chapter 10, Jesus says of, of Satan, he says the thief comes only, only, so any activity that Satan tries to do to Christianity, the church, to whatever, it is only to steal, to kill and to destroy. He has one job description. He is never good. He is never for your benefit. He is always for the destruction of God's people and for the attack of God people, God's people. So Jesus calls him a thief and says he comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And here, again, he speaks of the thief that will break in and steal. Now, I understand Jesus is probably just bringing an analogy of the natural thief that could break into your house and steal what is valuable to you. But when I was reading this, I thought to myself, Satan has no access to heaven. So when we store our treasures in heaven, no matter how much he wants to steal from us, he has no access. Amen. That when you store your treasures in heaven, the thief, the destroyer, cannot access that. But we know because of the world we live in, things can go badly on earth sometimes. So when we put all our value in what we have on earth, that is open to the attack of the enemy, it is open to destruction, it is open to being stolen from us. But when we store our treasures in heaven, the destroyer has no access. It is safe with God. Store your treasures in heaven. I see this as a world economy versus a heaven economy. What economy do we want to live in? The old kingdom economy or the new kingdom economy? Living 
by the principles of the new kingdom, living by the principles of God's kingdom, and therefore his economy, it's been so important to Jim and I, our whole marriage, that we taught it to our kids from when they first had money. My kids will testify to this. When they first got a bit of money in their hand, we talked to them about this. What, when they had their first job? No. First part-time job? No. When they got their first pocket money. When they got their first pocket money, we talked to them about the principle of giving, sowing and reaping, and what it means to be a person that lives in the kingdom of God. We started talking to them about it when they were that young. This is what we talked to them about. Now, I asked a question on Facebook this week, um, referring to the message that was coming this week, asking how much kids get in pocket money these days. I was absolutely shocked at the answer. Do you know, Jim, kids these days, 30 years later from when ours were little, they're not getting much more than we were giving our kids. Our kids were seriously overpaid. <laughs> I'm looking at my son right now. They were we could have a bigger house if we had not overpaid our children so hugely. <laughs> They're barely getting much more now than my kids got 30 years ago. I was expecting to hear they were running around with 50s in their pockets. It's nice to hear they're not. It's nice to hear they're not. That's a good thing. But we taught our kids to give to God with their pocket money. We taught them right at the start. We didn't force it. We didn't legislate it. We didn't say, hell awaits you if you don't do this. We didn't do any of that. But we taught them, if you belong to Jesus, you belong to Jesus' kingdom. This is how the kingdom of God works. Now, you might think, well, they were little kids. Of course, they're going to listen to you and, and do what you want. Yes, that's parenting. That's parenting. You might say, well, that's such a small amount. That's a what would that tiny amount do? You might say, the church doesn't need that, God doesn't need that. No, they needed it. They needed it. We weren't going to wait till they were in their 30s and say, maybe you're ready to hear this now, this is how the kingdom of God works. No, from a very, very young age, we said, this is what it is to live in the kingdom of God. Not because God's a taker, but because you can't outgive God. And we've all heard that expression, haven't we? You can't outgive God. And it's the absolute truth. But do you know what I think also? I think God's already outgiven anything we could ever do in Jesus. God gave us Jesus. No, nothing we can do could ever... If he gave us nothing else ever again, he's already outgiven us. But the truth is, he put principles in place that when we give to him, he takes care of us. Amen? And so we taught this to the kids from when they were very young. Let's keep going. Verse 21 says this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The second reason we give is that we give because money shouldn't own us. We should own money, but money should not own us. Money in itself isn't evil. There's nothing evil about money. Money is what we use day to day to have things going on. Having money isn't evil. There's an often misquoted verse, money is the root of all evil. Do you hear that verse being misquoted a lot? I hear it on TV, I hear it from people. It actually, the verse actually says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money. See, you can be rich and be a lover of money, but you can be poor and be a lover of money. It's all about where your heart is. 
It's all about where your heart is. Money is neutral. Money is just a means to an end. It's simply a means to an end. What the means is and what the end is is entirely up to the person holding the money. Money's a means to an end, but the means in the end entirely up to the person holding the money. So Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying, use money you have now for kingdom purpose, because then you're, getting, you're laying up your treasures in heaven, rather than laying up treasures on earth where there are vermin and there are moths and there are thieves that can bring destruction to it. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Use money you have now for the purpose of Jesus' kingdom to lay up for the treasure in heaven. So in terms of a means to an end, the means is if I give money for the kingdom, the end is treasure is laid up in heaven. The other option is if by my means I just want to look after myself and I'm just going to build myself and I'm just going to work hard to have status and whatever else I want to have in this life, okay, but that will only last as long as I live at best. At best, that lasts as long as I live. The issue is not how much do you have. The issue is does it have you? Does your money have you? Is it hard for you to part with money towards the kingdom because you love the money so much? Are you in a position where you, what you value most will not outlive you? And I'm not talking about our kids and things like that. You Please understand, Jesus is talking here about material possessions. And that's what I'm talking about this morning, about money and material possessions. If we are not laying treasures up for in heaven, we are laying all our treasures here and at best it lives as long as we do. And we show what matters to us by how we move money, how we use money. It does not matter how much belongs to you. It doesn't matter. This is not against rich or poor. This, it doesn't matter how much belongs to you. The only thing that matters is to whom do you belong? To whom do you belong? Now, verse 22 and 23, Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, I think this seems like a funny little thing to have thrown into a thing where he's talking about money. He suddenly brings like this little parable about an eye and having a good eye and so can be full of light, not having a bad eye because that can cause you to be full of darkness. And I don't know about you, but I often struggle to understand because we know that everything is in context in the Bible. You have to check things in context. You never play with a verse just by itself. So I was like, well, this is what Jesus is talking about. Then he gives this cute little thing about the eye and then he continues talking about material possessions. So did Jesus go off topic? I think that's what I'm really saying. Or is he further explaining the topic? So I really struggled with this. So I read some commentators and one of the commentators explained it like this. Jesus is referring to a local belief about good and bad eyesight. They had a belief, these people had this belief that if you have good eyesight, 
They believe that your eyes are the windows to inside your body and into your soul. So if your eyes are in a healthy place, your soul and your body will be full of light and that will help you be healthy. But if your eyes weren't good and the light isn't getting in, then your body is going to become full of darkness and your soul will be full of darkness. Once again, Jesus uses a picture to help them understand something and it's a picture from how they live and how they think and how they believe. He brings them a visual to understand what he is trying to say. Healthy eyes meant a healthy body full of light. Unhealthy eyes meant an unhealthy body open to the darkness coming in. So he's illustrating through this the right way and the wrong way to view material possessions. He is really saying, what are you seeking? What are your eyes pointed towards? What are your eyes taking in? Because if your eyes are pointed to the wrong thing, you're not getting Jesus' light into your body and into your soul. But if your eyes are pointed toward Jesus, if you're looking towards Jesus, his light is coming into your soul. He is bringing his light into your soul. So Jesus did not go off topic. He used a visual illustration to help them understand what is it that you seek? He's just been saying, put treasures in heaven, do this, do that. And then he says, and what is it that you're looking for? Are you looking for the light of God in your life or are you looking for the things of this earth? What are you seeking? What are you focused on? What gets your attention? Because whatever gets our attention, that's the direction that our lives go. Amen. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Note it doesn't say you cannot have both God and money. It says you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is continuing that thought of ownership. Who's got us? Who's got us? He is speaking to poor. He is speaking to wealthy. He is speaking to slaves. He is speaking to masters. He is speaking to widows. He is speaking to you know, great people, whatever it is. This is not about how much, it's about where's your focus. This is what Jesus is saying. It's not what you own, but who owns you. In a place where about half the population were slaves, again, Jesus uses a picture they can understand. He says no one can serve two masters. At that time in Rome, about half the population were slaves. And so many of the people listening were not free people. And when Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters, they really understood. I have a master. I know who my master is. I wouldn't even consider serving anyone else. Now, when we give to God, it's like we are saying, God, you are first in my life. God, you are my master. Not master card. You are my master. I give to you first. That's what we're saying. We break the power of money over us by saying, you, Lord, are my master. Now, the word money here is the word mammon, which is an Aramaic word because Jesus spoke Aramaic, the Aramaic word for riches. But mammon can also be interpreted as a spirit of money, a spirit of chasing wealth. And in fact, the Babylonians worshipped a god, small g god, called mammon because they believed that was the path to wealth. So Mammon was actually a god that had been worshipped 
back in the time of the Babylonians. And Jesus is saying, you can't serve both God and your idols. That's what he's saying. If we're serving God, get rid of false gods. And the context is material wealth and money and chasing riches. Now, the next group of verses are about worry and money. So we're not going to read them because of time today. We're not going to go through all those verses. But I'll just bring out a couple of things in there. Verse 25 says... I didn't write it down. Okay. Anyway, verse 25 says, has on it uh, the word life. And the word life in verse 25 corresponds with the word life in Genesis chapter 2 where God breathed his life into man. And it's, it's saying there in verse 25, is not your life about more than just running around after possessions? And that word life is God breathed life into people. So what Jesus is saying is, is not the fact that God breathed his life into you, is that not worth more than just all this stuff that we do? Is that not worth more than that? And then in verse 29, Jesus says, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like these, speaking of the flowers in the field. Why Solomon? Why not any other king? Why not anyone else? Solomon is considered to have been the richest man who has ever lived. The richest man who has ever lived. And Jesus looks at a flower and says, Solomon wasn't as amazing as this flower because God brought this flower to the earth. Solomon was so rich that when the Queen of Sheba, the Bible tells us in Kings, I believe, Solomon was so rich that when the Queen of Sheba, who was a very, very wealthy, powerful queen, she came to see Solomon and the Bible says she was overwhelmed by his wisdom and his riches. Everything, that, all the wealth that he had built. This really rich queen comes along. She's like, I've heard about this. I have to actually go and see if it's real. This is how rich Solomon was. And she turns up to Solomon's country, palace, whatever, and she's like, ah, whoa. Solomon was the richest man who's ever lived. And Jesus says, that does not compare to what God will do for you. That does not compare to what God has for us. That does not compare to God's care for us. Look at the flower. That is more amazing than Solomon and all his wealth. So I think Jesus used Solomon because it's the most extreme example of earthly wealth. And he wanted to make a point. Even that is not as good as allowing God to take care of you. Now I'm going to need someone, Jim, if you can come up and read Matthew 631 and 33 because I didn't uh, put it on here so if you could read that for us quickly oh it's behind me great thanks Jim you can sit down okay so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It's there too. I could have just read it there. Okay. Anyway, we've read it. So number three, why do we give? We give so that we keep our eyes on the right things. We keep it to make sure we keep our eyes on the right things. We keep God as number one in our lives. 
He says here, the pagans run after all these things. So he's drawing a comparison between a Christian and an unbeliever. Some versions will use the word unbeliever. Some versions will use the word pagan. But what Jesus is doing is drawing a comparison between a Christian and an unbeliever. And what he's saying is, there are people who, pagans, unbelievers, there are people who don't have Jesus in their lives. So what are they going to run after? It actually makes sense. It makes really good common sense. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you have no thought of going to heaven. You have no thought that there's something for you after the life you live now. What are you going to focus on? You're going to do everything for this life. You're going to have the best life you can possibly have. You're going to live your best life. You are going to live your best truth, whatever it is. You're going to do what is great for you right now in this life because this is all you have. This is all you understand that you have. And Jesus says the pagans, the unbelievers, they're all running around trying to have everything in this life, trying to make this life amazing, trying to have wealth, trying to have riches, trying to have status. He says they're doing that. But he says, why would you be doing it? He's like, and in fact, I think it's even like his tone. He's like, the pagans go after that. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? You know what we've got. We understand this is a temporary, this is a temporary gig. That's what this is for us. And then we go to eternity and Jesus is like, why is your focus on everything here now instead of your focus being there? He says, they're all running around after that, but that's not for you. That's not what we're meant to be doing. Secondly, Jesus tells us to seek his kingdom first. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added back to you. I think this harks back to that little parable he did about the eye. But what are you seeking? What are you looking for? What's got your attention? And so he's drawing it together in context again. And he says, are you seeking God's kingdom first? Because if we seek first God's kingdom, seek first his righteousness, then comes the promise, all these things will be added up unto you. So he says, here's the people that don't believe in God, running around trying to get everything, you know, stressing themselves out to try and get everything and make everything they can in this life. And then he says, if you seek my kingdom first, if you seek my righteousness first, I'll add that to you. I'm just going to add that to you. That's what the scripture is saying. But see, it's a promise, but it's a promise with a condition. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. God's promise is that if we seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, he will take care of us. To me, it's like he's saying, if you make my stuff your priority, then I will make your stuff my priority. We have always lived with that attitude like Joshua had. For me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We've always believed we take care of God and his house. We work for his kingdom. He'll take care of our house. He'll look after our house because we're taking care. We're doing our part for his house. Amen? Would you stand with us, please? It was such an... I'm not going to call people forward for prayer. It was such a wonderful time this morning. So many responded to that call. Are we going to give ourselves to Jesus? Are we going to give... Make room. Just let him do whatever he wants to do. And that was wonderful. So this morning, I just want to pray over us together. And... um, I'm just going to pray that we understand 
the kingdom and the finances of the kingdom, that we understand what it means to give, why we give, why we do it. So if you're in agreement with me, just feel free to pray with me, raise your hand to the Lord, whatever you want to do. I'm just going to pray in closing and then the team's going to come and uh, we're going to close with a song. And I'm going to ask Alyssa to do that song, the breakthrough song, because there is that gorgeous line in it that um, says about how my hope is in things above. Amen? And that's what we're talking about this morning. Our hope is in things above, the treasures in heaven, not the treasures on earth. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you, God, that you sent Jesus and therefore you've opened up heaven to us. You've opened heaven to us and we thank you for that, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would be people who understand that it's the treasures in heaven that matter to us. Lord, that our life, our minds and our focus and we won't be stressing and worrying about what can I do to do better on earth and have better on earth. But my focus will be, Jesus, we love you. We serve you. We seek your kingdom. We seek your righteousness because we know you'll add, add all that stuff to us. And that's your job. That You've made the promise. That's your job to add the stuff. Our job is to seek the kingdom. So this morning, I speak over all of us and I certainly speak for myself, Lord. We seek your kingdom. We seek your righteousness first. And we thank you for your promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.